I feel like a lot of people are afraid to talk to other people and it's like, that's one of the great things about life is talking to other people and building relationships and not, not expecting anything out of it. Like I don't meeting him. I didn't expect anything out of it, but to talk real estate because I liked real estate and wanted to learn more. I didn't get into it to, for him to you know help me raise money or lend me money or anything like that. It was like, Hey, I want to learn more about real estate and, and talk about it and see and doing that, see how I could, help him as well. I'm Neil. And I'm Brittany. We are a family on a journey towards financial and location independence. Each week, we interview successful real estate entrepreneurs about their chosen investment strategy and rate it based on how much money it took to get started, how long it took to educate themselves, how passive it is, and whether or not they could do it from anywhere in the world. Welcome to the Road to Family Freedom. If you like our show, the easiest way for you to give back is to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Head on over to roadtofamilyfreedom.com slash review for links and instructions on how to do that. We would be so grateful. All right, enough out of us. Let's hit the road to family freedom. Before we get to this week's show, I'd like to make you an offer. You can video chat with me if you like. It's something people do with me all the time, and it's completely free. Every Wednesday evening, this is a free strategy session done over video chat. Anything and everything you want to talk about in regards to real estate investing. There's no sales call here. There's no ulterior motive. I'm not going to pitch you on a mentoring program. This is really just a way for you and I to connect. I talk to real estate investors all the time at RIA meetings, but there are only so many meetings I can attend having a family and a full-time job. And I prefer the one-on-one connections anyway. doesn't matter if you're a brand new investor just starting out or an experienced investor. I can act as a sounding board on a deal you're looking at, or maybe just answer some questions you have about real estate investing. Head on over to roadtofamilyfreedom.com slash connect and fill out the form there to schedule a call. I look forward to speaking with you. Greetings, friends and families. I'm Neil. And I'm Brittany. You're listening to the Road to Family Freedom podcast. Our guest this week has a background in the insurance and risk management industry. He jumped into real estate in 2016, purchasing a duplex as a house hack. After coming face-to-face with the realities of toilets, trash, and tenants, he has since transitioned to self-storage. He's part owner of one facility and has a few more in the works. Tim Puffer, welcome to the Road to Family Freedom. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So, Tim, tell us a little bit how – did you recall an aha moment for you when it comes to real estate in general? I think it's uh, it goes back to where a lot of real estate investors get started. It's uh, read and Rich Dad, Poor Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean – Every time. Every time. <laughs> Every time. It, it's, it, it, that's just what it was. It, uh, you know, uh, one of my best friends uh, lives in northern Michigan, and he kind of uh, got into the real estate as an accidental landlord uh, with a condo. And he kept trying to get me to read Rich Dad Poor Dad. And I'm like, no, you know, out of college, I don't need to read anymore. And <laughs> you know, well, that's that's the thought process of a lot of people, unfortunately. And uh, so eventually, you know, I said, okay, you you got this real estate income coming in. That sounds great. And so I finally read Rich Dad Poor Dad, and that was the big aha moment. Like, whoa, I can't work a day job for the rest of my life and expect to get to the level of success uh, that I want to get to. And reading that helped me realize that and helped me jump into real estate and get my real estate license. So you started with a house hack, correct? Yes. 
Was that the first? That was the first real piece of real estate you ever bought? Or was that for the first investment property you ever? Bought? So first investment property, first uh, piece of real estate was actually uh, my wife and I bought a used mobile home to, to live in. So that was our first uh, foray into owning a piece of real estate, and um, you know that wasn't uh, going to set us up for long term success. So we didn't uh, keep uh, keep buying it those individually. But yeah, the, the house hack uh, was derived from reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, getting the, the real estate license. And we decided we wanted that uh, passive income coming in. And so we started looking for properties that were listed on the MLS using my uh, real estate license and couldn't find anything. Uh, you know, everything was either, you know, overpriced. They were really in really, really bad shape. And, or just weren't in the right neighborhood because with having the, the forethought of wanting to do a house hack, I needed to feel comfortable with my wife walking our dog at night. And so we needed to, to mesh a, a few different things to, to make the, the property be the, the right one on top of getting the correct rental rates and not having the numbers look good. And so not finding anything, we decided to do a, a handwritten uh, thank you card campaign which is uh, kind of different than most things. So people do it or just, you know, like yellow letters or things like mm-hmm. that. I like uh, love psychology. So I'm like, people love to be thanked for something. It doesn't matter what it's for. Mm-hmm. And so doing a, uh, doing a nice thank you card. And, you know, first line is that uh, thank you for taking the time to read our letter and then going into, Hey, we're looking to purchase a duplex. We drove by yours. We really like the property. If you have any interest in selling, please contact us. And we only did about 20 of those and we had a 75% response rate on those things. Just being really specific uh, in in our targets. And so we were able to talk to a couple people and uh, find one in a really good neighborhood uh, near Michigan State University and uh, in a great neighborhood and uh, got it for a a very good price. Uh, We paid $119,000 for it. And which is at the time was significantly under market, but it needed uh, quite a bit of work done to it. So it didn't have that component where it didn't need any work done to it. We had to uh, renovate the the unit that we weren't renting uh, completely and uh, before being able to rent it out. Gotcha. What kind of, how much rehab did you have to put into it? So we, we did uh, pretty much everything in it. We did all new windows all new uh, flooring. We did uh, LVP in the kitchens, luxury vinyl plank for the listeners mm-hmm. who aren't uh, aren't familiar. So LVP in the kitchen, living room, the lower level because it's a it's a bi level unit, and carpet in the bedrooms. All new countertops, cabinets, uh, new deck, new central air. You know everything oh, other wow. than the other than new drywall. Gotcha. And what did, uh, do you recall what the total rehab costs were? So with that unit, we were in for about 20 grand. Um, if you count, we recently renovated the unit we were living in for, to do the house hack. And we were in for that one about uh, 16 grand. Gotcha. And so all in about 36 grand. Did you come in with, did you buy it for cash or did you put financing on it? Oh, I, I wish we bought for cash. Uh, <laughs> no, we actually did a, uh, a FHA three and a half percent down. Oh, that's great. Um, great, great way to get started with uh, with a uh, you know two to four unit. Super way to get started. And actually, we um, 
got into it uh, taking a pretty big risk. We uh, I had a little bit of money in a, um, a 401k from a prior employer, and I used that money as the down payment. <laughs> and then we put a lot of the rehab expenses on uh, 0% interest credit cards. And once we got the, the, the unit rented up, we went out and I, I was able to get a HELOC on the property and pay those credit cards off and then have the HELOC with uh, uh, interest-only payments on that. Oh, wow. nice. Okay. Nice. Don't try this at home, kids. <laughs> yeah, it's a, the, 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 a lot of those things, they're, they're tools, but you need to have a plan for you. You can't just go out and, and, and get it and expect it to work. You have to have uh, a foresight in how the plan's going to work and make sure that you're actually getting the property's getting a good uh, rental rate if you're doing uh, this type of house act situation to where you yeah. can pay that, uh, that payment off every month. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, and credit cards can be a really advantageous way to get some extra points and different things, but you have to be able to pay them all. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it could be a great tool. Yeah. As long as you understand it's short-term debt, you know, it's something sure. you want to sort of get in and get out. Mm-hmm. So you're all in at about 120000 purchase price. So about $160,000 purchase price plus rehab you have you had it had it appraised you have obviously had to have it appraised to get the HELOC correct yeah yeah for sure so we actually uh this past April was was three years of us owning it we actually just sold it uh, a couple weeks ago gotcha. so we uh we sold it for uh, 175 okay so a little bit of yeah, a little bit of profit. You know, at the end of the day, we were able to live, you know, rent mortgage free for three years with yeah. the, uh, the the other unit paying for it. So the the mortgage was about twelve hundred bucks a month, and our rent on the other side was twelve hundred bucks a month. Oh, so great. we were living for for free, other than paying utilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, it makes, I mean, yeah, it gives you an opportunity to put that money elsewhere, um, right. Save it and then and move on. So even if you broke even, it's probably. For sure. Yeah. It makes sense. So, That's the thing. When I got my uh, real estate license, I did try a little bit to be a, a regular you know, realtor. and uh, But I kept wanting to tell people to, to, to buy a duplex and house hack as their first property and then use the cash <laughs> flow and use the cash flow from that to buy their own personal residence. <laughs> nope, nope, not a lot of people want to do it. <laughs> no takers. No. <laughs> it's so interesting. You know, I mean, you have to have the right mentality people you know there's so many people that are just like no i, I you know i could never do that i don't want roommates i have right. co- i have cousins of mine in uh, san diego i love you cousins who are listening and we were talking to their parents this last weekend and they're all none of them are in the market and they're in their late 20s because the market's so hot right and they want to buy a place but none of them are willing to have roommates yeah we keep <laughs> being like you do you know you get a place that has a lot of rooms and then you bring in some roommates right or- you know, you kind of get flexible and none of them are, are well, I don't know if it was none, but there was yeah. at least one that specifically was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can you know, just bring on the right roommates and you know, suck it up for a couple of years and really you can you know, set yourself up for good uh, long-term success yeah. doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So what kind of, what lessons did you learn from that first, the duplex as your first property? Tons of lessons learned from that. Um, <laughs> skills, skills as well, because uh, during during the renovation, we did a uh, did a lot of the work myself. So I learned how to paint, lay flooring, put in cabinets. You know, so I guess one of them is uh, you know, discipline while uh, having a full time job. That's a 
big one because you're you know, waking up at five in the morning trying to do real estate stuff, maybe get a few things done uh, on the unit and then go to work at eight o'clock and come home at five, go right back to the unit and do more work until you know, 10, 11 at night and then wake up the next day and do it all over again. And so keep making sure you're not just doing that one day and that's it for the week, but doing it consistently so that you, you get things done and aren't uh, falling behind and you know, making a payment that uh, you don't have any income coming in to, to make for you. So discipline's huge when, when doing something like that, especially if you're going to do a lot of the work yourself and get a lot of sweat equity in the property. Focus, focus and discipline kind of go hand in hand, you know, really uh, focusing on tasks that you're doing and not getting distracted with, with other things. And, uh, which is hard for, for humans where, you know, we're like, uh, you know, you know, squirrel, you know, you see, you see a squirrel off in the background. And so really focusing on your task at hand, getting it done and then moving on to the next uh, phase of the project and not getting you know, bogged down in, in the future stuff. Yeah. So you were di- pretty much DIY the whole way. You're do it yourself rehabbers and do it yourself landlords, correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which, which is, which is a great way to start out and you know, save, uh, save property management fees doing it that way. You'll learn a lot, uh, a lot of, uh, skills and, you know, strategies with, with doing that stuff. Gotcha. Would you do it again? Mm-hmm. If I had to start over, I, th- <laughs> I think so. I think so. I mean, it's, it's not easy. Yeah. It's not easy, but it's the things in life that are worthwhile aren't easy. You know, nothing's handed to you. You got to go out and, and go out and get it if you if you want to want to achieve anything. So I would I would definitely do it again and you know relearn all the lessons and uh, you know all the all the pains that go along with uh, doing a rehab for three months straight while uh, working a full time job and, and uh, then being a landlord and having dealing with the complaints and all that. There, that's a part of it, but it's it's worth it in the end pushing through those obstacles and 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 helping you get to a better place. Did you have any kind of a construction or handyman background at all, or was it all how'd you how'd you how'd you do it? How'd you learn how to do it? YouTube, just <laughs> watching watching a little bit of YouTube, and honestly, just doing it. I mean, you know, life is if you want to get things done, you got to just take action and go do it. Um, you know, I wasn't a great painter by by any stretch of the imagination prior to doing that, but now I'm a pretty good painter, and it actually I. I enjoy it. I can, I can cut a room in with a paintbrush in about an hour now. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's pretty uh, therapeutic for me to put some music on and, uh, you know, really get going. So yeah, just getting out there and uh, learning and acquiring the skills and it doesn't matter what age you are or what background you have, you can acquire whatever skill you want and it's out there for free. Most of it is nowadays. There's literally zero excuse for not, doing something you want to do or learning anything to, to help you achieve your goal. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you go from house hacking to self-storage? So all the good that comes with the owning a duplex, there's also bad. <laughs> 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 so we had a, um, a, uh, it was 2016. It was March of 2016. We had a, a small little water backup in, in the duplex, uh, the, the washer line, you know, overflowed a little bit. So I'm like, okay, awesome. Got that taken care of. But that happened and I had to rip up the OVP. I laid in the lower level bathroom and relay tile myself. 
first time doing tile turned out pretty good <laughs> youtube videos again so did that and then a couple months later in may the toilet down there backed up mm. whole lower level all the lvp that i laid spent a week laying ripped it right up yeah. ripped it right up and uh so did that got it all dried up cleaned up and uh we're just waiting on tile to be laid and i had a contractor do that because that was uh, a lot of tile to lay and i'm not that skilled (laughs) at at laying tile so i'll pay somebody else to do that during this time we um we had purchased uh uh, mr landlord his package um to kind of help us automate uh and get better processes and doing the rentals because the plan was to buy more rental properties at that point Mm-hmm. And then possibly get into some apartment buildings and things like that. And so we went down to his conference in Cleveland. While there, in between classes, get a call from our tenant, you know, super upset, just not happy with anything. And, you know, hey, we can't use a whole lower level. This is, uh, this is bull crap. And like, hey, we're contractors are busy. <laughs> you know, we're just waiting on them. It's all cleaned up. Everything's good to go. The, the, the drain lines taken care of because we had to have that uh, what's called uh, jetted. So what they do is they uh, go in with high pressure water and they'll essentially uh, smooth out the cast iron piping. Mm. And so we had to pay for that to be done, which was uh, four grand to, to have mm. that complete. So not uh, not a uh, you know, easy expense <laughs> to swallow there. But so I had to calm him down and I'm like, man, this I don't want to multiply this by 20 or 30 or 40, mm-hmm. depending on how big the apartment or or whatever is. And so just so happened that the next speaker uh, was Scott Myers <laughs> at, at the conference. And my, my wife looks at me and, you know, for all you husbands out there, listen to your wives. They're, they're pretty, uh, pretty brilliant. <laughs> wife, my wife looks at me and she says, we should do that. And I said, yeah, I think we should. It's it's very similar in evaluating apartments. There, there's certain you know nuances to it, but you're still looking at cap rates, cash on cash, IRR. You're looking at all that stuff. And so we finished listening to him speak and bought his course, and uh, that's how we got our start in that. And going down to Indianapolis to to, to his three day class, and you know hearing firsthand on uh, on the industry and getting some real firsthand knowledge. Gotcha. So for those who don't know, Scott Myers is the self-storage instructor. I won't call him a guru because I like, I've got more respect for Scott. Than yeah, that. yeah, absolutely. I agree. <laughs> He's a genuine guy and he knows his stuff about self-storage. Yeah, most um, definitely. So, so how did you find that first self-storage deal? Again, taking uh, action. So taking Scott's course and going through it. And what's great about Scott's course is that it gives you enough to, to get going. It doesn't give you everything. It doesn't lay out step one, step one A, one B, one C. There are certain things you got to figure out for yourself, which is what keeps a lot of people from getting started is they want their handheld and you know need, need their the whole process done for them. But Scott's course gives you a ton of information to be able to get going. And so just following that and cold calling facility owners started cold calling facility owners in, in my area and found a couple who was looking to retire. And so built a little rapport with them. And it was honestly, it was mostly, again, my wife, she was uh, the ringer and getting the deal done because it's a, you know, it was a, an older couple who had spent uh, 
you know, they had a business uh, there prior and then they built this uh, self-storage uh, uh, buildings. And so myself and my wife coming in, they kind of reminded them, we reminded uh, them of them mm-hmm. when they were starting their business together. And so I think that really uh, made a big difference in, in being able to, to purchase that facility from them. So it didn't, you didn't get it by mailers or anything like that. You literally just were just cold calling owners. Yep. Yep. Just cold calling. And I, I didn't get too far, which is pretty, uh, pretty great. I didn't get too far into my list before finding them. Uh, so I still got a, a quite a bit more to, to get through. Uh, it doesn't happen very often. That's, uh, that's, uh, pretty, uh, pretty rare. So I'm uh, very, uh, thankful that, uh, we were able to find that and, you know, thankful to them for uh, letting us purchase it because they didn't have to sell to us. They could have sold to anybody they wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Can we, can you tell us a little bit more about that facility? What, you know, the units, square footage, that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's uh, 188 units and uh, that is about 28,000 square feet. And there's also, uh, well, was, but we'll get there, uh, about a 3,600 square foot office building and a 1,200 square foot pole barn on the property when we purchased the place. And the, the office building had, uh, three uh, commercial tenants in there and then the pole barn was also leased out when we purchased the, the facility and it's uh sits on uh, five acres gotcha do you want to can you tell us what the purchase price was do you mind yeah yeah i definitely definitely can so we purchased it for 1.3 million okay that's uh did you did you use a sba loan to acquire it did you you know how much did you have to put down yeah, yeah. So actually, this is before I, you know, still pretty young into doing uh, commercial real estate at that point. Uh, we had, I had no idea too much about an SBA loan. So we actually did uh, conventional financing. So for this deal, you know, I was able to find a, a, a great business partner on it. And I had built a prior relationship and you know, brought this deal to them and uh, not asking for capital because you can't just go up to somebody and say, hey, I, I need money. They're going <laughs> to laugh at you. Yeah. And so I um, brought it to this uh, investor, uh, you know, friend that I knew and hey, said, hey, you know, what do you think about this deal? And he took a look at it and uh, he said he thought it was a great deal, which you know, just helped validate that I thought it, my uh, research into it. And he he asked me what I was going to do for capital. And then that's where I said, you know, I, I would need some capital to get this deal. And so we, we partnered on on the deal to get into it. And so we put 20% down on it and uh, did a uh, conventional loan. Got really great terms. There's some great local lenders out there with uh, some great uh, terms. Uh, we were able to get a 20-year uh, amortizing uh, loan with a 10-year term, which we were able to then, we wouldn't have to re-underwrite or anything. We could do another 10-year term at whatever the current interest rates were at that point. Hmm. Okay, so they don't. There's not a balloon payment. You just have to renegotiate the right, uh, right, exactly. Right. We'd have to just uh, go to the uh, whatever the current uh, interest rate uh, was, which uh, we were able to get into it for four point six five percent at the great. time. And you've you've done some work on it. So mm-hmm. your acquisition was one point three. Did you have to raise any capital to be able to do any renovations, things like that? So when we took over the property. It was a nice value add deal. And the, and the fact that uh, the prior owners uh, weren't uh, managing it in a sophisticated uh, manner. 
So we took over the place. We created a website. We raised the rates uh, at the facility uh, to, to increase the value. And so, but by doing that and creating some of these efficiencies and increasing the value by uh, raising the rents, we were actually able to pull out uh, enough capital to fund our expansion that we just started on uh, this past week, where we're going to be adding uh, 92 additional units and uh, 15,000 additional square feet, which will get us to about 43,000 square feet at the facility. Gotcha. That's awesome. So are you taking over the, like the barn and stuff or is that just what what barn it's gone it's gone okay (laughs) yeah yeah, the barn the barn and the office building are completely demolished yeah so that's uh we had uh where those uh, two buildings uh stood we had uh about an acre because generally in the self-storage of a non-climate control building you can get about fifteen thousand square foot per acre sometimes more depends on you know setbacks and everything like that so and are these going to be all non-climate controlled Yes, they'll be all non-climate control. Your your partner, did your partner have any experience in the self-storage uh, business before he started this? He did not. He did not. His, he he is, has experience in uh, apartments, uh, apartment buildings. So he's uh, been doing commercial real estate for 15 plus years and cut his teeth in residential where a lot of people do get their starts and moved on to apartments and has uh, done uh, quite a few deals in, in apartments here in Michigan. How'd you meet him? So, like I meet everybody, <laughs> I just cold call people. Essentially, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, he he's got a a, pod, a Michigan focused podcast. Well, it was Michigan focused, um, but he has a lot of people on his podcast uh, called the uh, Rental Property Owners Association podcast here in Michigan, and uh, listened to the podcast and loved it. And I knew he was pretty local to me, so I reached out to him and. We went out to lunch a couple of times and just cultivated a relationship from there. That's great. It's awesome. Yeah. It's what everyone should do. Yes. It, it's like a lot of, I feel like a lot of people are afraid to talk to other people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's one of the great things about life is talking to other people and building relationships and not, yeah. not expecting anything out of it. Like I don't, meeting him i didn't expect anything out of it but to talk real estate because i liked real estate and wanted to learn more i didn't get into it to for him to you know help me raise money or lend me money or anything like that it was like hey i want to learn more about real estate and and talk about it and see and doing that see how i could help him as well and not only just take information because you gotta you gotta you gotta give to 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 receive Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of people who are farther ahead are totally excited about helping other people or even just talking about what they're doing Mm -hmm. because those around them have probably already gotten bored of it, you know, that aren't, (laughs) that are (laughs) like their friends and family. So it can be a great way to get in with a mentor or just even just have someone that can share experiences with you. Right. You know, so that you're not lonely in your space. (laughs) Right, for sure. Well, and then at the end of the day, too, there's a, there's enough real estate out there for everybody with, on whatever level you want to be at. If you want to own two properties or a hundred, there you can do it. It just it comes down to what level of execution do you want to operate at. Yeah. So a lot of times when you bring in an investor who's such a large part of the deal, the bank will require them to sign on the loan. Is that was that mm-hmm. your experience here? Yeah, yeah, we uh, he he signed on the loan and uh, my uh, myself did I did. Okay, is it non recourse or is it recourse? 
it is a recourse loan. I like to dig into those details sometimes. A lot of people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think, uh, you know, some people can get, uh, be afraid of a recourse loan, but, you know, yeah, the downside is if, you know, things go south, they could come after your personal assets after disposing of the asset, you know, selling it. But that's why you make sure you can't, there's no guarantees, but you do your due diligence to ensure that it's a good deal and you have good, good cushion and good margin on it to lower the likelihood of that happening. And, you know, it just comes down to there's risk in, you know, life every day. You have a risk getting into a car and, uh, you know, risking your life doing that. Um, so you got to pick and choose where you want to do it. So do you have on-site management or is it an automated system? Security cameras. Okay. That, that's our <laughs> on-site that's management. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no. So we started out because we didn't want to just uh, stop on-site management cold turkey because our uh, the, the prior owners were, were there from nine to five every day of the week. And so we didn't want to just stop that so we started out having my wife there uh, you know for four to six hours every day and we got a month in and we're like nobody's stopping in <laughs> because we had set up our website where people could rent a unit online or they call in and could rent a unit so yeah. we said why are we doing this so we just you know after about a month and a half we said hey we're just going to go completely automated and off-site and We've been that way, you know, ever since going on two years now and have had uh, no issues uh, whatsoever. Well, people can go online, rent their units, uh, then call in, rent a unit. You know, we have occasionally we still have to run out there. We have to leaf blow units, got a nice leaf blower to clean out the units rather than sweeping it much quicker. <laughs> and, um, you know, go out there to check on things and uh, see if there's been any move outs and anything like that. But, there are no on-site management, and we're gonna we'll continue that with uh, with the expansion. Cool. So you're really not spending a lot of time on on working in or on the the storage facility. Yeah, other than you know making sure you know the occupancy stays at a at a level where we want it, and the rental rates uh, that we're in line with the competition, and cleaning the units and things like that. It's not a ton of time doing that. I mean, it's been more time lately in the last four months or, or so doing the, actually even more than that, getting everything worked up for the, uh, for the expansion and all this, the civil engineering and the, the site work and the general contractor. But in general, when you have something that's stabilized and, and automated, you're not spending a ton of time uh, may, uh, keeping the, the property operating efficiently. Yeah. Gotcha. And it goes back to having systems in place. You know, you have your systems in place to help you make that happen. Do you have an on-site kiosk or are you just relying on the, the website to handle lease-ups? It's, it's just the website. Uh, and I'm of the opinion, and there are people who may say otherwise, but I'm of the opinion that I don't. There, there's not much benefit of the kiosk. There's a group out in North Carolina who I've talked to and I've uh, talked with the owners out there and they are real big into you know tracking things and only 6% of their rentals uh, happen off their kiosk mm. and they have 10 plus facilities. Wow. And, and so when you're looking at paying you know, five grand or more for a kiosk, I don't know if the ROI is there when people will go to the kiosk and instead of renting on the kiosk, they'll stand in front of the kiosk and take out their phone and rent a unit <laughs> right in front of the kiosk. So it's, I think it's a, it's a cost that's unnecessary when people are going to use their phone or their iPad mm. or their laptop or just call in 
to rent a unit. And when people call in, if you actually answer your phone, you're going to beat most of the competition out there because uh, there are a lot of uh, you know place businesses that uh, won't pick up the phone. Yeah, we interviewed Michael Wagner back on episode six, and that was exactly what what you just said. Exactly what he said. He said everybody has a kiosk in their pocket. Yep, and he held yep. up his smartphone. And this in this day and age, you know, you don't really want the customers who are, who are going to have to. They want to have somebody behind the desk, right? Lease it up for them and give them a lock. You don't really want, honestly, you don't really want those kinds of customers because those are the kinds of customers that are going to cost you probably more money than you make. They're too high maintenance. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I got a great example recently where we uh, strayed from our process <laughs> and we rented a unit. A lady wanted to meet to rent a unit to see the unit and wanted to pay cash. And my wife has a great heart and uh, met the lady out there and, and did that. And you know, we've had nothing but issues with this lady since then with, oh, the, the doors broke. Well, the doors broke because you stuffed it full and a bed hit the back of the door and knocked it off the track. Mm. <laughs> and so that happened. We had to fix that. And then just recently, she was in the auction, the lien process. So we you know, she's way behind on her, her rent and everything. And so by straying from our process, we created a headache for ourselves. Mm-hmm. When we know sticking to the process, we're going to ha- have a less likelihood of having those headaches because it's proven to, to not create those for us. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we can talk a little bit more about your system. So you said the phone calls. Do you have like an answering service that works with not, you? Yeah, not currently. We don't. We're uh, going to implement that in the future. But right now, it's uh, it, it goes right to my wife and uh, she answers the calls. Okay. So because we have uh, quite a few people who rent right off the website and uh, you know the other people who won't will call in and she's able to answer and uh, get the units rented for us. But as, as we grow, we're going to have a, a nice uh, third-party call center uh, kind of handle, handle the overflow calls for us. That way, we're not missing any. Awesome. Gotcha. And how many calls would you say you get on average a week? Oh, I'd say we're getting probably three to five a day. So 15 plus a week. You know, then that varies, you know, a couple of people who might just have a question on who's a current customer, but uh, a lot of people inquiring about uh, unit rates and sizes and, and things like that. Or if, uh, you know, technology is great, but, you know, things can happen while trying to rent a unit online and the system you know, kicks them out or something like that. So answering questions uh, by, by doing that uh, from that as well. Gotcha. So it's uh, they've got to bring their own lock, correct? So we like to do things uh, different, you know, from our you know, people in our market where we do, we'll give them a free lock. And so what we do is people can't get into the facility until they, they pay online or over the phone. And at that point, they'll get their uh, code to, uh, to put in the keypad to get into the facility. So we just put uh, their free lock into, into all our vacant units. Mm-hmm. And then when somebody rents it, they can move right in and don't have to worry about a lock. Because in, it's a benefit to the customer, one, because they're getting a, a good lock. And two, it's another benefit to them in the fact that by having the, the good disc locks on there, they're much, much harder to uh, break into because you need an angle grinder in order to, to, to get those uh, open. And it takes quite a while, whereas some of the 
just the regular, you know, master locks you can buy everywhere. You can just snip those pretty quickly and then get right in. So it's a good yeah. security measure for them as well. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And that benefits you because it makes you have good, happy customers who leave. Yes. Good, happy reviews. <laughs> <laughs> So what does uh, what does the day in the life of a self storage investor currently look like? Um, well, for me, uh, you know, working uh, my uh, my day job uh, in insurance uh, right now. But um, you know, in between that, you know, be, before that starts in the morning, you know, looking over, you know, see, make sure the facility is operating where we want to, and then you know, looking for more uh, opportunities for purchasing existing facilities or developing other sites or you know just out there trying to to hunt and and find the next uh, the next deal and that's uh in the morning before work and that's on lunch and that's uh after work doing that and there's not there, needless to say there's not a lot of tv going on in uh, in our household just because it's uh, you know, every now and then we will, but uh, it just takes time away from finding uh, more deals and uh, getting to the level where we want to be at. So, uh, so what are you working on now? You've got the expansion of the current facility that you're working on, and mm-hmm. then you mentioned earlier that there was also was there another deal that you're working on? Yeah, working on uh, a couple uh, deals. One uh, we're working on is a, a ground-up development of a vacant parcel, and um, we're, we're actually in the middle of selling that parcel. We got it uh, all entitled for self-storage and got it all designed, and uh, we're going to uh, go ahead and flip that. And been working on it for a little while, so it, uh, it's it's you know, nice to get a get a little nice deal like that under the belt and uh, go out and find another one and uh other project i'm working on kind of in the beginning stages of is a conversion project so that's uh that that's a uh, fun trying to work on that mm-hmm. navigate that because that's a that's a really large project and a lot of moving parts gotcha. what's the conversion from is it like a warehouse store it's a it's a, a retail store so it's a 30,000 square foot building currently, and we're going to have to uh, raise the roof on it, literally. And, uh, <laughs> we're going to have to raise the roof about 16 feet to get the uh, the clear space on the inside that we need to get three levels of uh, self-storage. Mm-hmm. You want three levels? We'd like to have more, but we're restricted by the municipality, of course. But yeah, three levels is what uh, we're going to max it out uh, to get the uh, the net rentable uh, square footage uh, from the building that helps the deal make sense. Because in general, you can, uh, with a conversion or a climate control building, you uh, maintain 75% efficiency. And so what that means is that if you have a 10,000 gross square foot building, you're going to be able to get 7,500 net rentable square feet of uh, storage units from that. Gotcha. That's awesome. Are these units or uh, facilities all near you or are you looking at things all over the country? The, currently, they're all in Michigan. So I've been able to, which is nice, been able to find opportunity here in my uh, my home state. And it take, you know, nothing's more than a couple hours away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, you know, there are a lot of places where it's tough to find deals, but that can involve getting creative and you know, looking outside of maybe what you've been looking at before to try to find deals and maybe looking at different uh, size markets. And, uh, you know, if you're looking in a secondary market, try a tertiary market or try a different secondary market that maybe has slightly different metrics than what you were looking at before to find deals. 
Gotcha. Yeah. Do you think that you'll go outside of Michigan at some point? I think so. I've, uh, I have been thinking about that lately to find uh, some more opportunity and um, you know, stay on the track of uh, what I've been looking at here in Michigan and finding those uh, similar opportunities uh, like that mm-hmm. with similar metrics and demographics in other states. Yeah. Once you get sort of, you know, for like, let's say for the facility that you currently own, you know, when all your new stuff goes in and you get everything sort of outsourced, do you feel like you could, you know, go somewhere else for a while? How long do you think you could be away from the facility and have it still be running? Appropriately without you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So as long as we keep our systems in place, and I mean, theoretically, we could move out of, out of state and have uh, somebody local and to to go and clean out units and wash the mm-hmm. facility for us and do all that. Yeah. And even to take it a step further from that, we there are security cameras you can get now where it'll send you an alert whenever there's any movement. So we could implement that and uh, take it a step further to be able to really be away and not have to be in the, the same city or even the same state as the facility and have it uh, run efficiently. And that would be without hiring a third party management company as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Just with the size of the facility we have and having the systems in place, it, it affords us uh, the opportunity to potentially do that if we wanted to. Is the facility open 24 hours? Yes. Yep. Okay. We, we have 24 hour access. Some facilities will charge for hours between 10 PM to 6 AM. But, um, you know, in general, we don't have that uh, extra uh, cost there for, for the customers. Gotcha. And when you purchased it, was it stabilized or was it, what was like, what was the occupancy like? Did you have to do any lease up, things like that? No, no, it was, uh, it was 100% full when we took it over, which was, which is great as a buyer, which is very great as a buyer. So I see that and I see, okay, there's room to raise rates here. Yeah, that's where a good a good value add uh, opportunity uh, lies uh, with being able to do that because you can come in day one and 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 raise the the rates on people, and it's not to be be a jerk or anything raising rates on them, but generally in those cases, those people have been getting a great deal for two, three, four, five, ten years from the prior owners because they just they were afraid to raise rates because yeah. they're they're always uh, scared of oh people are going to move out. And that just doesn't happen because, you know, if you raise somebody 10 to $20 on a storage unit, that's not enough to make them rent a truck on a Saturday generally and move all their <laughs> stuff out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and especially if you're also keeping with what's current in the market, you're probably, right. you know, they're not going to find that deal again anyway the what they had right know? right exactly so if you raise them and keep them you know right at what the market is or just below they're, they're not going to move out yeah well and the, the power of commercial real estate too is that just that ten dollar raise you know makes you know increases your noi by you know let's say 120 dollars a year and then you divide that by the cap rate and you're looking at you know if it's like a eight cap and i'm sitting here doing math in public you're looking at a substantial amount of money you're looking at you yeah. know six six to eight thousand dollars in value right. of the property absolutely well and I love that that's that's such a great facility to start off with because Definitely. so many so many first time self storage owners are are trying to come in and they're finding a facility that's 
really distressed from day one. Right. And they're, you know, they're, they're trying, they're having to turn it around. And that's a real challenge. Whereas, you know, you were fortunate that you came in, it was already stabilized. It was operating. It just had some great value. Out of right. Absolutely. What advice would you have for someone who is maybe a, a little bit of a tired landlord? Maybe they have uh, sort of started off down the path of uh, small multifamily uh, because they heard Brandon Turner say what an amazing, amazing thing it is. <laughs> and now they're maybe coming face to face with the realities of uh, tenants, trash and toilets, and they want to explore self-storage. How would you recommend they get started? I think it, they got to figure out what exactly they want to do because it, they could evaluate their situation and decide to keep doing small multifamily and that's the best route to go. But if they decide they want to look at something different to get started in self-storage, I mean, doing Scott Myers course, uh, even if you're not going to go out there and be the hunter and search for deals yourself, just to get a, a good basic upfront understanding with great content. And then you turn that into uh, finding somebody else who's investing in self-storage and doing the upfront work and you can invest uh, with them, be an investor for them. That could be a great route to go if you're sick and tired of you know, your storage or your um, apartment buildings. Now's a good time to, to possibly sell those and you know, do a 1031 exchange and, and those into uh, a self-storage facility that somebody else has went out and found and vetted and, and things like that. So. I think that could be a good, good, great route to go for somebody. But if somebody wants to go out there and find the deals themselves, again, they can't speak highly enough of uh, Scott's course and uh, the, the the support and the actual education that you get from going to his uh, three day course. And I don't, I don't get paid for saying that either. It's just I, I think very highly of it. I have some experience with uh, Scott and his team as well, and I can also speak very highly of them. They're really they're good people. So. Uh, if you have the means, then by all means, uh, get some education before you, you wade into this. So. Absolutely. Well, Tim, thank you so much for sharing with us today. If, if our listeners want to get to know more about you, is there, what's the best way they can reach out to you? I'll give people a couple ways. We, we like uh, choices. Uh, so LinkedIn, I uh, stay decently active on there. I uh, love uh, meeting new people on there. Uh, people can uh, reach me at uh, Tim at focus-rei.com. Uh, feel free to shoot me an email. Uh, I'll definitely respond back to people. And I think those are about the two best ways to get a hold of me, be uh, quickly uh, responsive to, to people. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was really thank you guys. a pleasure to, to talk to you. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Well, that was Tim Puffer of Focus REI. You can find him again at Tim at focus-rei.com. It was great talking to him. I always yeah. love talking to self-storage owners um, yeah. and yeah. Uh, reformed uh, small multifamily people. <laughs> yeah. nice. So was there a key lesson that you learned from this interview? I think one of the key takeaways that I had was just to just jump in. I think that's something that he seems to be pretty adept at is just kind of say seeing something that he's interested in and going for it. And then also, I guess like being okay with pivoting when you figure out that that's not really what's working for you and just kind of jumping to the next thing. So obviously he's solidly in this thing now, but it was interesting to hear how he kind of just like, okay, get started with the, 
you know, house hack. And then once they kind of decided that wasn't right for them, they got right into it. And, and that probably lent them some, I'll say luck for both of those things. They cold or did the, the, they call them thank you letters to, He said he only, they only did like 20 people on the duplex and had like 75% yeah. return. What? Yeah. And then, you know, cold calling self-storage facilities and, and getting someone pretty quickly within the first yeah. small amount of people. I can't remember what he said, but it, it made me want to cry. Yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> it's, not, it's not normal people. Just no, it's not normal. normal. Usually you have to like send letters yeah. and do all these things, but it's fantastic Persistent. because they because they kind of jumped in they sort of had that momentum behind them and really were able to move forward quickly, which is fantastic. For me, it was when he was talking about their self-storage system, that Mm -hmm. they have an unmanned facility and that they, they sort of need a very specific kind of customer. Mm -hmm. And once they, when they strayed away from that specific kind of customers where they got into trouble. Yeah. And that's, I think it's important to remember whether or not you're, you're, businesses, tenants or self-storage that you know the kind of tenants that you yeah. want and I mean, you train them Yeah, uh, and, and don't stray from that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why you do applications when you rent an apartment or something like that, that they want you to, they want to know more about you. You can't really do that with a self-storage facility. So you have to do that by the system that yeah. you use. And, you know, if people can't get through your system, then they don't need your product. <laughs> or they don't deserve your product. No. Or they're not resourceful enough. You know, like if that's really something that they want to do, then they'll figure out a way to make it happen without having to go around your system. How did he acquire um, his knowledge? He a lot of it was just sort of like like I said, jumping in. As far as self-storage specific specifically, he did the Scott Myers uh three-day course mm-hmm. and you know had lots of great things to say about that. And I know you've done that as well. So and I think that kind of goes back when we talk about things, a lot of it's like find a mentor, a class, podcast. I'm sure, you know, he obviously listens to podcasts because that's how he connected with the person that is his business partner yeah. on um, his current facility. So, you know, talk to people, listen to podcasts, take classes. He also watched YouTube. Oh, yeah. When he was yeah. as a, as a DIY, well, for the- DIY rehabber and landlord, he basically just watched YouTube. So. Yeah. Yeah, the information is out there. All right, so money. Do do we want to just talk about the storage facility? Yeah. So how much did that take? Well, it took. Uh, uh, it was a one point three million dollar facility. They put twenty percent down, so that's two hundred and sixty thousand dollars. He didn't really talk about how much he, money he brought to the table. It was sounded like it was mostly his partner's money, and judging from how large their how much money they had from that, from their small multifamily. And when they sold it, they, I don't think that necessarily, the, I don't think those funds came from that. So I don't think he came in with a huge amount of money, yeah. um, but he, he was creative. He, he had a deal. What he didn't have was the money. And when you have a deal, but no money, then you need to go out and you need to find somebody that's got money and you don't necessarily, you're not going to just go to them and say, Hey, can you give me money? You're going to have to give up part of the deal. And 100% uh, 100% of no deal is worse than 50% of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't obviously know their terms, but it sounds like it's kind of a silent partner situation. It sounds like they run the facility exclusively. So they're just the other person's the money man, which may mean that they take a 
smaller cut and so yeah all right and um time time how much time does he spend or i I, do they his his wife yeah his wife manages the facility sounds like um mostly we didn't get into an exact no i mean i would say probably I would guess it's probably a couple hours a day would just be my guess, but it's over the course of a day. If they get that phone system and they're not like fully have it, like managing it, them like where she's answering the phone all the time, the, they, there would probably be very little, like if they, once they outsource stuff, yeah. probably comes and goes because like you said uh, like he said he has to they have to clean out the facilities sometimes they have to do some different maintenance so if they had like a maintenance person and the outsource the calls and and yeah. help sort of situations they probably not spend a lot of money a lot of yeah. time excuse me on uh well and i remember when that. we talked with michael wagner back in episode six he talked about something that was uh he had just i think handed over those duties answering mm-hmm. the phone to a call center because he said it's really key. You want to pick up the phone when somebody calls, and because if you don't pick up the phone, they're just going to pick up the phone and call the next self storage store yeah. down the road. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that's it's really key. I, I would I, I agree with you. I think probably a couple hours a day. I'd say probably around ten hours a week. Yeah. Um, yeah. And 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 part of that is just looking for new opportunities. Yeah. All right. And then uh, is it location dependent? I would say. Right now, I would say yes, a little bit, but we know that self-storage can be done. If once you get the systems up and running, it can be very location independent. Awesome. All right. right. Well, that was Tim Puffer again. Thanks. uh, Thanks for listening. Thanks for your time, Tim. And uh, thanks for listening. Mm -hmm. Let's hit the road. Bye. And if you like this podcast, we would really appreciate it if you take just a few minutes and leave a review for us on iTunes. It's really simple to do. Just go to roadtofamilyfreedom.com slash review for links and instructions. Thanks for listening. We're doing this all again next week. Until then, safe travels.